Sometimes I feel like my world is collapsing Sometimes I feel like my only friend Is a childhood daydream The raggedy doctor Lonely and frightened No stars in the sky I come when he calls me, I'm his companion I hide between penguins till everything's closed I open the strange box and gaze at my future Now it gets complex, no word of a lie I don't ever want to feel like I did that day Echoes from the edge of time with their laser rays I don't even want to know what I saw that day Hoping hate and dusty fire watch me fade away believe that there's nobody out there it's hard to believe that earth's all alone she hangs in the darkness the planet she loves me lonely as i am together we cry i don't ever want to like I did that day Tide is burning like a star Now there's hell to pay I don't ever want to see What I saw that day One man stands against the dark Watching fly away
Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the second series of the Ootcast. I am Chris Alpha and with me as usual are the lovely Laura. All right, me cubbers. <laughs> Andy. Hello. And Chris Sigma. Hello there, listening public. <laughs> <laughs> Publicans. We just Pub- had publicans. some wine. It yeah, was we nice. did. We just had some wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're after sponsorship from a major brewery. <laughs> One thing um, we didn't whine about was the quality hey, of the episode. Ooh, that's your best link ever, Laura. But Thanks. we will come to this in a minute because first, the Oodcast News. Welcome to the Oodcast News. English Heritage have announced that new excavation work is to take place underneath Stonehenge. The organisation is reportedly impressed by the size of the cavern shown in Doctor Who as being underneath the ancient monument and believes that it could be used as an alternative to the recently cancelled plans to build a visitor centre nearby. This just in from the alternate earth where the TARDIS has exploded and reality is collapsing in on itself. Patrick Moore is out of a job. Stephen Moffat has revealed that the Doctor's unravelling timeline sequence was originally intended to go back as far as an unearthly child, but was reduced in length when BBC scheduling could not offer a two-week broadcast slot. Continuing our coverage of the alternate Earth where reality is folding in on itself. In a move sure to surprise many avid horoscope readers, the Zodiac is now based on different types of biscuit. Custard creams, for instance, are born extroverts, fiercely loyal, but in secret need of constant reassurance. The Doctor and Astrid Peth have both performed at this year's Glastonbury Festival. The 40th anniversary event also included performances by Status Quark, the Time Beatles and the Wotan Clan. John Barrowman gave a special performance in the bathroom mirror the next morning. More news from the end of reality now, and fast food chain McDonald's is in meltdown after it was revealed that employers no longer had anything to put on their badges to denote seniority. And finally, in the last of our special reports from the dying universe created by the exploding TARDIS, we take a look at the entertainment industry and see firsthand how the crisis has affected such smash hits as Biscuit Trek, Biscuit Wars, Biscuits in Their Eyes, The Last Biscuit Fighter, Third Rock from the Digestive, and not forgetting Thomas the Tank Engine, Biscuiting Ringo Biscuit as the voice of Thomas. Okay, everyone, this is it. The last review section for some time, unless we decide, unless we get withdrawal symptoms and, and decide to... Review pavements. Review, no, and, Sarah Jane and Adventures. Skylines. Torchwood. What? No. Yeah. 
Torture would be will be one heck of a review from us, I think. I'd prefer to review inanimate objects, really, but... Why don't we see if we can find cracks, you know, like everywhere? Or have they all gone now? Are there actually no cracks anywhere at all, ever, in the space-time continuum? Did anyone spot the crack in the Littlest Doctor video where he's running along? <laughs> he, he crouches right by a crack in the pavement that looks exactly like the crack. He does. It's quite amazing. weird. Because there's one just outside my flat as well, which is the same shape. So I am starting to think, um, uh, uh, will it be there when I get home tonight? What's worrying is that that crack has been there for years and I've never noticed the significance. And then I'm a little bit worried that when I get home tonight, it's not going to be there. Nah, it won't be fixed. No, no you're right, it won't be fixed. <laughs> Um, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go round and we're going to each give a two-word review, starting with Andy. Go. Uh, um, uh, That's one word. That was two. I did um and uh. Okay, good. Chris? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Excellent. Tremendously agnostic. That means you're not so, sure. Yes. About God. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all done the Dr. God method. Met- Metaphors. Well, there was a mention of Richard Dawkins, mm, so we should just accept this that and move on. Or Mr. Lala Ward, as I like to think of him. Uh, Chris, really? what did? What, what were your two words? Stupendously gratifying. I say agnostic because ultimately I felt like I needed more from it. I didn't feel like I had all the final answers. There were still parts of it that I was unsure about, and I expected it to complete me in every way, but it didn't. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't brilliant. Right, so you're saying that it was a victim of its own expectations on your part. Yes. So Sigma, um, you've been... Basically, what we did was we watched the episode. Then we had Bangers and Mash, which was lovely, because Laura is a great cook, and some wine. Yeah, we we should say that this is the first time since... Uh, series one where we've, we're recording this immediately after watching the episode or within a yes. couple of hours normally it's two or three days so we can cogitate on the meaning of the episode a bit this time not only have we got to immediately say what we think we're also slightly drunk so <laughs> it's going to be a very different slightly more emotional slightly less erudite episode I expect Why although I did use the word me? erudite <laughs> no I thought that, uh, yeah you're very you good. Not only that, you used the word cogitate as well. This is maybe we should We're... feed you wine intravenously yeah. during the week as well. <laughs> Indutably, no, no, good. <laughs> so, Chris, you were expounding at great length in when we were eating about um, how everything made sense, and um, Laura's not quite sure that it did all make sense, and. I like your theories a lot, but I would not have been able to make sense of the episode if we hadn't been chatting about it with you. Uh, well, it all, it all stems from the argument we had last week, which was how, how can Amy have been able to pull people back through just mm. her memories when people have been wiped out from time? And the thing is that it does, even though it's a little bit wonky, it does at least give you an explanation for that. She's grown up with a crack on her wall the entire time she's fed in her dreams off the time and energy that it exudes and that has changed her somehow it means that she has greater power over the time stream um and which means that she can physically pull people back through the crack which she does quite easily with her family members obviously it's it's revealed that she has quite a large family and for rory as well and even for the doctor it just needs that little push 
that that amazing brilliant bit of writing at the end where he plants in her mind like like a kind of a sleeper agent and a you know a word that activates her mm. those words something old something new something borrowed something blue mm. and that allows her to activate this latent ability that she's been given since childhood and pull him back through uh, and cl- and close you know and because the crack's been closed off completely Rory no longer has to die because, as Laura po- pointed out, the only reason the Silurian was able to shoot Rory was because they were stopped looking at the crack. Otherwise, they'd have gone straight into the TARDIS. Mm. Uh, and everyone lives. Everyone gets Everybody to live. Everybody lives. <laughs> so, as far as I can see, yes, it's a bit whacked out. It's a bit crazy. But it is a series about a guy who travels through time in a phone box. And at least it makes sense within its own crazy internal logic. And that's all I need from an episode. Yeah. Um, I was watching it and I was thinking, yeah, but you can't bring back people just by remembering them. That's silly. But then, as Chris rightly says, you know, within the parameters of the episode, it does make sense. He said what we've been told time and time again is time can be changed. And also, if you can remember something, you can bring it back. That was said in the episode where Rory died. And it was said again, I think, uh, last week as well. So... It's there. He's he's laid out his stall. He's said this is this can happen. He's not cheating. It's not a Deus Ex Machina kind of last minute. Mm. He, he it's been threaded throughout the entire season. It's a wonderful bit of writing. That's I think. that's what I was going to say. At, at least to me, it was a. It might have been a bit strange, but it, it was a full explanation. It wasn't full of, you know, s- sudden quick fixes that that kind of explain it, but don't mm-hmm. like a a, a life potion. Or whatever it was that that brought the master back to life, it may have been strange, but at least it was a full-ish explanation. Mm. You're right. That tied it, up all of the ends to me, yeah. and ah, also, but not all the ends. Oh, no, except the ones that are obviously left open for the next series. Yes, and that is something that that's probably the thing I found most exciting is just the knowledge that this isn't this isn't even the end of this particular story arc. And I think maybe since the new series came back, we've been sort of shown that finales have to have a huge amount of budget spent on them and be incredibly large affairs with returning characters and huge casts. And this was just a sort of an intimate, tightly written, almost character piece. I mean, obviously the stakes were huge, but it was it was a great finale, but it was a very different kind of finale. Mm. And just because there weren't so many laser blasts and... And sort of huge. Oh, actually, there was the biggest explosion ever, which <laughs> ranged through all of history and all the universe. But sort of little explosions. And I love the way the TARDIS um, became the sun, keeping the Earth alive on its own. <laughs> Great idea, you know. Well, sir, the fire crew have found the cause of the fire. Oh, good. Uh, what was it? An explosion. Well, I knew that, but what on earth could cause an explosion that could wreck a TARDIS? Before I answer that, sir, could I ask you a question? Of course, uh, but get on with it. Were you cooking earlier today, sir? Uh, No, I wasn't. Definitely not. Amy might have done, but I certainly didn't. Would you mind if I had a little chat with Amy then, sir? Uh, You can't. Can't? Nope. Might I ask why, sir? Because she's a little tied up at the minute. Tied up? Yes, in a little stone prison. But don't worry, I can get her out when Rory releases me and then we jump around in time a bit, tying up loose ends first. Uh, can't you just tell me what the cause of the fire was? Very well, sir. Anything to get this over with quickly. The fire crew said that they found some... burnt remains. Oh yes, uh, what of? Some fish fingers. 
looks like they've been left under the grill and caught fire. Fires and gas cookers in dimensionally transcendental time machines do not mix. Thought you would have known that by now, sir. Yes, well, like I told you, I wasn't doing the cooking. Did the custard survive? That wasn't what disappointed me about the episode. I was loving the episode right up until the bit where you've got the Doctor taking off in the Pandorica to go and collide with the TARDIS. And at that point, I just thought, oh, now it's got too epic. I'm not really that fussed at all. Everything before that, I'd really loved. It had all this whole, I'm charging into battle and I'm going to die nobly, and I didn't... What I like about that, though, is it's just one bit of the resolution. It's just one bit of how uh, the Doctor solves things. So he's got the big heroic taking off in a box and going up into the supernova TARDIS but he's also got seeding the memories into Amy's um, memories and you've got um, um... he solves it with bravery but also with a bit of cunning you know a little bit of timey-wimey interesting going backwards I mean there's that bit where he tells Amy to remember what he said when she was seven years old before he's gone back to tell her the thing at seven (laughs) years old (laughs) which is just great that only a time lord can think and that sort of fourth dimension in that way and solve that. I just think it it takes every aspect of the Doctor's personality, his intelligence, Mm. his bravery, the fact he's a man of action, you know, wired up the manipulator to the Pandorica to fly it, his technical genius. It takes every ounce Mm. of what he is to solve it in a progressing pattern that only he can see because of his extra time senses. What I didn't understand about the Pandorica taking off was that he had the vortex manipulator and yet made the Pandorica fly instead of just kind of moving through time. Presumably the Pandorica could fly because the Daleks and everyone else who created it had to fly it to Earth to to place it there. So he was probably just accessing systems. Well, no more than a skip can drive to the location it's going to be left at. Mm. Very advanced Or indeed, no more than a double-decker bus can fly. (laughs) Speaking of a very advanced skip, Goodness me, the Pandorica is very advanced, isn't it? Look, here's something created by a race of... by a coalition of destructive people, and they've created something that's going to keep their nemesis alive indefinitely. Why not just lock him in there and let him die? I, I like that. You you create the perfect prison, but you line it with all sorts of instrumentation that eventually he can use to fly it into the centre of the biggest explosion ever created and save the universe instead of yeah just yeah. why not give him just a stone box that seals and he can't exactly. get exactly i don't think the sontarans really had full engagement with this <laughs> why don't we just suffocate him <laughs> the bit that i wasn't sure about was how the doctor creating paradoxes uh he he's in the future and um he creates the paradoxes by going back into the past to set up his future which hasn't already happened yet, but somehow he's in the future going back in time to set them up. I didn't get that. But I think Chris Sigma had an explanation, which I'd like to hear again so I can remember it. As far as I can see, it's only a paradox up to the point where he does free himself. It's only a paradox when he's able to go back in time because he's been freed by Rory because he's got Mm -hmm. the screwdriver. As soon as Rory does have the screwdriver, then it's not a paradox anymore because the Doctor is freed by him, which allows him to go back in time. But as soon as that is complete and he is let out, then that isn't a paradox. But how is it able to happen in the first place? Because he's a Time Lord. I think that's all you need to know. He can create small paradoxes, but as long as they're resolved. 
the universe doesn't mind how you get to a point where everything's resolved. Mm. It's sort of like going into your overdraft, but still mm. paying the money back in before the end of the day. Mm. Therefore, you're never in your overdraft. Well, He's like got that, a special it? gadget in his fez. <laughs> we should talk about the fez, though, shouldn't we? Eh? Yes, eh? I believe we predicted it. We, we, I think. No, 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 I believe <laughs> that Alf <laughs> may have predicted the fez. Tell us about it, Alf. I, I don't need to. No, Listen to this. Yeah. If that is the title sequence, then I will eat the hat that Matt Smith is going to have in the second season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to go and say, yeah, that was the one. <laughs> is he having a hat made out of cabbage? Because no, you wouldn't like that. He's going to wear a fez. Cabbage. <gasps> uh, Tom Baker would have loved it. Oh, Tom Baker's idea for a, a companion was a cabbage, wasn't it? A on his shoulder. Walking, a talking cabbage <laughs> on his shoulder. Like Zayfel Beeblebrooks, but only a cabbage. Only a cabbage, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, can we, can we just rewind a bit there? He's going to wear a fez. That's right, the Oodcast has also threaded uh, <laughs> overarching narrative through the whole thing. Amazing, a whole series, there's all these clues in it. There's... I don't recall your name, but your fez is familiar. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Oh, I love the way they dealt with the fez though, because um, on Doctor Who Confidential they were saying that give Matt a fez, you must be mad. He'll never get rid of it. He'll always want to wear it for the next series. So Stephen Moffat just shoots it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never watched a Doctor Who Confidential before because I don't like seeing how it's made. I like watching it, and mm. I don't really care how mm. they create a special effect because it, for me, it's sort of it's looking behind the magician when he's performing a trick. Mm. For Alpha, it's like Athena sprung fully clothed from Zeus's forehead. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like somebody showing me how Twitter works. <laughs> <laughs> or dissecting a kitten. What? It's just not as cute when it's all in bits everywhere. No. Yeah, yeah that is true. That, this is very true. Not that I'd know, but I'd imagine not. But but I did really enjoy this Doctor Who Confidential, albeit the half that I saw, um, because it was about when they showed... The uh, that they screened the first episode in America, and I thought that was really interesting. I was, and, and also how much Matt Smith's stunt double looked nothing like Matt Smith. There is a shot of Matt Smith bending over the stunt double, and uh, it's shot from behind the stunt double, and you can tell that it is not him. Well, obviously, because the man had a, a face that was just as wide as Matt Smith's was long. How does how does River Song get to the wedding if she can't remember the Doctor? That's never explained. We okay. don't know how... Because um, she had a diary, but the diary's pages are mm. empty. She shouldn't be able to remember him. He's never been born. She's well, River Song from the future. Her hair's much longer. Still, the Doctor hasn't been born, though, so she shouldn't be able to remember anything about him. But maybe this is something that's going to come out when we find out yeah. who she is. Yeah. She's a time traveller. She said, after this, all everything changes. Yes. So she's travelled back to it anyway. Yeah, well, she already the Doctor's knows never what she... been born, so she wouldn't remember him. Ah, uh, Tish and Piddle... I'm particularly excited about the fact that we still don't know who the silence will fall voice who is. It's you! <laughs> I wish it was because I might be able to market myself then as a Doctor Who villain and, 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 and have a proportion of DVD sales and stuff like that. And that would be cool because <laughs> I've always wanted to be in Doctor Who. You don't say. 
I was right about the vortex manipulator. Aha! Yes, you were. You were Not right. Quite right. He wasn't actually wearing it at the time, but I was right that that was the way that he hopped around the place. But I'm pleased that he wasn't just wearing it at the time, because the moth must have thought, oh, I'll be the vortex manipulator. I'll put it on his wrist before he gets into the Pandorica. No, that's obvious. Isn't it awesome that the moth chose a different, more circuitous route? I've just remembered the brilliant, amazing scene where you set up one side of the Doctor's conversation through time with Rory right at the beginning of the episode and then you see all the bits about how he gets the mop and the fez and then he remembers stuff and has to pop back. The reason he has to pop back. It was just the most amazing scene. It was just so brilliantly written. Actually, I thought Karen Gillan's performance in this was really good. Hmm. I thought it was totally top-notch. I'm one of those who've been... Not sure that I've warmed to her through the series, and I'm not sure quite why this is. I can't put my finger on it, but I think, I think the reason is that in Eleventh uh, Hour and Beast Below, she had a particularly well-rounded, well-written character, and somehow that well-roundedness of the slightly sort of um, kooky and um, feisty and sort of like almost a sort of Lone Ranger sort of style to her kind of tailed off particularly when Rory came on board the TARDIS and it didn't return mm. until tonight and boy am I looking forward to her character next year I think it's going to blossom I'm more looking forward to Rory because mm. yeah. I mean, having a husband point, and wife team yeah. it's going to yeah. be really cool who'd have thought and up until this point team. he's been like really funny he's been given some great lines but overall he's been a bit of a wet fish but now he punches the doctor he punches <laughs> the doctor he hangs around for 2000 years which <laughs> is an amazing Amazing feat. Hello there, Mr. Williams. Please take a seat. Thank you. Would you like a glass of water or anything? Not for me, thanks. I'm actually waterproof. Excuse me? Oh, I'm not thirsty. Fair enough. Well, thanks for coming in today. We've had a lot of applicants for the position, but your CV really stood out. Well, first things first, why have you come dressed as a Roman centurion? It's laundry day. I see. Your application says you have had extensive experience in the field of private security. Could you elaborate? I've provided security across the globe. I've protected my client against everything from druids to Nazis. Very impressive. The National Gallery could certainly use someone like you. Have you got any work experience outside the security sector? Did some modelling work. Really? Mostly shop windows, though. Oh, I see. What would you say your strengths were? I'm cool in a crisis, I have an unrivaled knowledge of Roman culture, and I can be wiped clean with a damp cloth. I see. Any particular weaknesses? Fire. Right. Anything else? Anti-plastic, but I don't think that's been invented yet. Okay. Could you give me an example of the last time you worked as part of a team? Nope. Sorry? No, I, I tend to work alone, sometimes for years at a time. But there must have been some occasion when you worked with others towards a shared objective. Right, sure. Um, I used to form a great impenetrable tortoise shield formation with my colleagues back in the day. Does that count? I don't know. Was it effective in meeting your business objective as laid down for your team? Mm, Guess so. We killed a lot of barbarians. Well, then it definitely counts. Great. Do I get the job? One more question, Mr Williams. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Loyal, tenacious, non-biodegradable. Excellent. Well, welcome to the team. Rory, is it? Glad to have you on board. Shake my hand. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Sorry about that. Automatic reaction. Don't worry, I'm also a fully trained nurse. <laughs> Again, sorry. An amazing mm. feat. Yeah, but all of those characteristics were Ronicus the Auton. Well, no, I don't think they were. He was able to do it because he was an Auton, but he would have wanted to as Rory. I yeah, think that's, that's right. The reason said, why, why are you so human? Because... The- that's all I've got now. Is basically yeah, because what he yeah, says. because now yeah. I'm not, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so these are the depths of Rory's character that he's discovered through travelling with the Doctor. And well, no, to an extent, he's back to being the Rory at the beginning of the series, isn't he? Where he's sort of, you know, congratulations, Mr. Pond. I'm not Mr. Pond, actually. Yeah, no, yeah. I am. Aren't <laughs> I, I love that line. Um, I think that says quite a lot. Um, um, we didn't discover why the Duck Pond was called the Duck Pond, but it didn't have any ducks, and I'm disappointed about that. Maybe it didn't matter in the first place. Okay. I've, I've, I've been quite mystified by the reason you go on about this <laughs> <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> it's a red herring pond. Yeah. Hey! Oh. I love how Andy has to signal his little jokes by going, hey! It's so rubbish! In case they would <laughs> pass us by otherwise. <laughs> I'll try it next time and see if you laugh. God almighty. Hey! Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Any more fish puns? Please do send them in. Get your skates on. Uh... <laughs> oh, that was row, that three row, in a row. row yes. That didn't have any context to row. it, though. Row. Yeah, no, I know, but you just know row, row, row your boat. Three in a row. Ah, there we go. That way. Hey. Well, now it's four, isn't it? Three oh, dear. Why did we do this for Vampires of Venice? <laughs> We didn't think of it, sadly. Okay, that was a very, very long and rambling review of the final episode of Season 5, The Big Bang. Would everyone like to just round up their ideas in a couple of sentences? Yes, I've got two words. Mind-bendingly wonderful. Mind-bendingly is hyphenated, by the way, so it's not three words. Um, I'm I'm very, very happy with it because it, it sort of it tied things up in a very nice way. And it was... Um, very funny, which I was quite pleased by. I was a little bit worried that it would be quite dense and quite... It was going to be good because it was Stephen Moffat, but I was worried it would be a bit too dark and... Um, but but no. Oh, do you remember that little kitten who we dissected earlier? Mm. Well, let's imagine that we didn't dissect it, OK? And it's playing with a big ball of string, right? Which has all been wound back up together. But there are still a few loose threads poking out here and there. But that just gives you the potential of unrolling it and starting all over again, doesn't it? So that's what excites me about this episode, that it is like a kitten playing with a massive ball of string. Laura has come up with the best analogy I've heard for a long, long time. I thought it was very brave of Stephen Moffat to write something that was so densely plotted, uh, that had so many amazing ideas in it, vying for supremacy in the story, to put so much into just characters and trust in that rather than big battles and robots and techno babble to actually create something that was intricate and wonderful. Uh, And I do think it's going to turn off a lot of fans. I don't think it's the bombastic finale that some were hoping for, but it was something rather wonderful and strange. And for that, I love it. I've got a sentence now as well, if you don't mind, if you'll indulge me. Is it, I agree with Chris? No. (laughs) I have to think of something else now. Um, I really loved it because it, um, as I said, mind-bendingly wonderful. Uh, it's all about, God, what's going on? 
How's that going to work? Why is there a stone Dalek? I thought the stone Dalek was just a footprint of a memory of a Dalek, but now it's alive. Why is that? And all these explanations come through the episode and filter through, and you're constantly rewarded with, um, with just awesome revelations and wonderful, as Laura so marvellously puts it, a big ball of string. Well, Doctor Who has ended, and of course, also... Our series must end soon. I think we will do one more episode just to tie up everything once we've had a bit of a think about it. And then we're going to go bi-weekly, which is not, unfortunately, twice a week, uh, but (laughs) once every two weeks. Um, (laughs) After that point, we shall be back with sketches and songs uh, about Doctor Who in general, I guess. Um, And also we have a few very interesting specialist episodes lined up, which I thought we could just quickly talk a little bit about some of our ideas for the future. Well, we were thinking of doing a special episode. Are we going to call them the, call them the specials, aren't we, Chris? Yeah, we are. Please don't think they're going to be of the quality of the specials. <laughs> yes, we thought one of them could be a big album special of Laura's songs. Would you like that, listeners? Well, apparently they would, because a lot of people have said they would. <laughs> and I guess we'll, we'll do a few new ones as well, so that there isn't just all old material. Is that okay, Laura? Yes, all right then. Excellent. Uh, we're also going to do a... We're going to try out the Doctor Who role-playing game. Uh, yeah. So we're going to record that, uh, invite a few of our friends along and do a big gaming session um, with a specially written episode. And I think Laura's going to play the Doctor in it. Uh, uh, okay. Very Good. Cool. In a different universe where the Doctor's a woman, not that the Doctor could regenerate into a woman, oh. it's that it's an alternative universe. And a pipe dream of mine. Uh, we're also hoping to bring lots of people we know and love and are brilliant together to help us to write and record some audio adventures uh, adventures um, based around our own reimagining of uh, the Doctor. Um, so hopefully that'll be sometime towards the end of the summer. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So lots of interesting oud-tastic stuff coming up uh, over over the summer um, and then... Looking forward to the new year. I guess it's a really interesting journey for us, the four of us as well. We recorded Series 1 and I think we had about 80 listeners, sort of. Mm. We built up a following of about 80 people. Um, Our audience figures now are substantially more than that and it's just amazing to all of us that people listen to this all around the world Uh, and we're hugely grateful, hugely grateful for all the emails and letters of support, hugely grateful um, for the reviews and iTunes, which are just brilliant, and for people just giving us all this encouragement and and and, and keep listening to it all, it's just wonderful, isn't it? So thank you very much for joining us and enjoying another classic Doctor Who finale. Of course, we hope you can all join us again next week. And until the dying embers of our series two flicker out. But until then, I'm Laura. I'm Chris Alpha. I'm Andy. I'm Chris Sigma. And we're the Oodcast. Mm. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All the stars have gone.